Thank you, thank you. All right, congregation, let's open our Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And for those that are visiting, we've been in this church on Sunday mornings in a series of teachings and ministry focus on the mind. Uh, ministering from the Word about the soul of man. And uh, praise God. Have you... Uh, observed, you know, the condition of the world and the culture we live in today that uh, you could call it crazy, <laughs> wild. People are more and more and more reflecting what Paul told Timothy about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, you know, when he said in the last days perilous times will come and people will be like this and he just describes many, many different attributes of what the culture would look like in the last days and at least in our country, we're there. You know, we're exhibiting all of those attributes to the extreme. And uh, there are so, so many precious people. Everybody's precious in the sight of God. And because that's true, everybody's going to be precious in my sight, even the ones I don't like. Amen. They're still precious. They're created in the likeness and image of God. But there just is so much mental torment and dysfunction and people being disturbed and just not right in their thinking, and that I'm just very grateful that the Lord's led us and, and permitted us to minister along this line. And we've begun, to, I have begun to receive quite a few testimonies from, from you all about how th this ministry focus has really begun to change your life and uh, change things at home for you and your marriages and uh, recognize your one spouse, recognizing my spouse is different. And we just love it. Amen. That's what God will do. For, His Word will do for us in every single area. And so, Father, again, I ask you to help me as the under-shepherd unto you, Lord Jesus, to minister uh, effectively uh, with simplicity. Uh, that it, I, won't, I won't preach any of my convictions or natural thoughts or opinions, but, God, what I'll, what I'll deliver is from you and from your Word and your Word only. And that God that will give, because it's the Word, the Spirit of God will confirm that Word with signs following. Thank you for helping us all to have what you died for us to have. And that is a sound mind. Let every, uh, let every mind be an attentive and alert mind. Let every heart be uh, open and receptive. We just so thank you for what you're about to do. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. So as a golden text, of course, we've been using this wonderful scripture that a seasoned minister wrote to another young and up-and-coming minister who was under just intense pressure. Uh, praise God. You know, Timothy eventually uh, gave his life for the furtherance of the kingdom and the gospel and was a martyr for the Lord. And, uh, but in his ministry, he had a lot of responsibility. God began to use him as a teenager in a very strong and out-front way. And, of course, he became a very intense target of the enemy in a very persecuted land and culture. And so Timothy was under a lot of pressure. And the Spirit of God had moved upon Paul to write him a letter. And thank God it's included in the canon of our Scripture. So it's not just a love letter to Timothy. It's a love letter to you and to me too. Amen. So let's read verse 6 and 7. Paul said, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a what? Sound. A sound 
mind. So this is five or six messages now into this series. Thank God part of the believer's inheritance is a sound mind. Amen. That word sound in the Greek, sound mind in the Greek literally means, uh, I found in one Greek dictionary, it means safe thinking. And that tells me a lot. If I allow myself to, to just stay with the mindset that I brought into my salvation experience. You know, when you got born again, you got born again, but that didn't touch your mind. So you step over into the kingdom. You're a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. You're a son, daughter of God, sure enough. But we begin with the same mindset. And so after we are born again, filled with the Spirit of God, one of the, if not the greatest needs in that Christian's life right then is the renewing of their mind. It is perhaps the greatest priority in the body of Christ today across the world is getting our minds renewed. We're not going there, I don't believe, unless the Lord leads, but we know this scripture, we're familiar with it. Paul wrote it in Romans chapter 12. He said, oh, I beseech you. And that sounds like, you know, it's poetic King James language, but in the Greek, it is so strong. Uh, you'd almost have to be able to speak Greek. Just, just take my word for it. You study out for yourself. It is, it, the word picture from the Greek is a man that falls down in desperation on his knees and cries out in front of the one he's trying to talk to saying, please listen to me. Please listen to me. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body to God, a living sacrifice. And I be, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed. Don't let the world press its cookie cutter. Don't, 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 don't conform to the world. Shape yourself to the customs and the fashion of this world system, but be transformed. Be transformed. Be transformed. I, I already thought I'm bored again. That's pretty good transformation. Yes, it is spiritually. But down here on this earth, We've got to do something for our minds. Amen. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. A renewed mind equals a transformed life. A transformed life. And we renew our minds, as uh, Brother Kevin said, by marinating in the Word of God. Amen. Amen. The Word of God becomes our daily food. That's, this is why God told Joshua, Joshua, you got a big task, you got a lot of enemies, but I'm with you and you got a great future ahead, but here's how you're going to be successful. Do not let the Word of God depart from your eyes. Meditate in my Word day and night. Don't let it out of your mouth. Don't let it out of your eyes that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then and then only, if I could say that, then and then only will you prosper and have good success. And it's still amazing to me that Christians, by their actions, testify of their belief that they can be a victorious Christian and not know their Bible, not read their Bible, and not make the Word of God a priority in their life. You got more wear and tear on the Cosmopolitan or the Sports Illustrated than you do your Bible, you're in trouble. 
Not, you're not in trouble with God, but I mean, you're in trouble because of this world. And, and, and amen. Amen. Yeah. Glory to God. It should be an utmost priority for us. Our goal is to not just read the word to say, I read, I did my devotional day. Check off the to-do list. I mean, it's nice. I, I feel good when I do check off the to-do list too. But we read the word of God to know what to think, to know what's right and wrong, to know what to believe. And the more we do that, the more our minds and our mindset, our way of thinking, harmonizes with the Scripture. You just have to take my word for it. <laughs> Your life will be different for you. And I've been endeavoring to live this way and walk this journey for more than 25 years. Maybe, I don't know, I didn't do the math 30 years. You know, how did I get to be this old? I'll be 50 in November. But uh, praise God. But if you knew me then, if you could have fellowshiped around Chris Cody in the way I thought in the mid-90s, compared to the way I live, and it shows up in the life. Isn't it amazing? I think radically different, and I'm living radically different in a good way. It's, it's, it's not about me. It's what the Word of God will do in your life. If you will make renewing your mind and living and doing and believing and talking the Word your lifestyle. What the Word has done uh, uh, for the best of us will do for you. God is no respecter of persons, but He is a respecter of effort. He is a respecter of work. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that every Christian will receive from Him our own reward for our own labor in the Word. Did you get that? So when we look across the landscape of Christianity and you say, well, I don't get it. How come their life is so radically different from their life? God's not the decider. Amen? But so much of what it is is you're reflecting one person is in the Word day and night and one person is distracted. And over time it shows up. And we've come to, you know, the last grains falling through the hourglass of the church age. And, and all things are being compressed and accelerated. And God can catch you up because He's that kind of God. Amen. But we need to get serious and get with it. But we see here that God's not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us a spirit of timidity. Uh, amen. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. A sound mind. And so you'd have to go back. I encourage you to go back. It's all free. wouldn't cost you nothing. Get on the podcast. Get on the website. Feed on all these messages. We've been talking the last couple of services about depression and God's answer to depression. And uh, there's probably many more, but God's, uh, I've identified a sevenfold response that God has given to those that have dealt with depression. I've listed those twice. I won't go through all of them again. Today, God has put it on my heart to deal with another very prominent, similar but different, prominent, prominent mental issue that is just prominent everywhere, and that's anxiety. You know, depression, you just feel dark and numb and hopeless and despairing and gloomy and cranky and you, all of that. Anxiety is similar, but it's different. And uh, I, I looked up some national um, statistics on Americans. 
The latest I could find were studies produced by government agencies from 2020. And according to the National Alliance on Mental Illness, 19.1, almost 20% of Americans have a medical uh, level diagnosis of some sort of anxiety disorder. If you want to translate that, that's 40 million Americans have a medical level, clinical level problem with anxiety. That's a lot of people. Amen. Suicide in the country is the 12th leading cause of death in the United States. In 2020, there were 1.2 million suicide attempts and just under 46,000 Americans were successful in taking their own lives in 2020. Now, as we've seen, a sound mind, a calm, amplified says, a calm, well-balanced, self-controlled, disciplined mind, the mind of Christ belongs to every believer. That's what God's given. But notice, it doesn't just show up automatically. It's not gonna, a sound mind is not going to just fall on you like a ripe cherry off a tree. I wish I could have an altar call. I wish I could line you all up and ding you on the head with my finger, and you'd all leave here with a sound mind. I, I'd do that to you every service if that was possible. Amen? Uh, amen. But it's just not. It's just not. And, and there's so many things that are so wonderful in the body of Christ that uh, another believer can do for another believer. There's so many areas in, in which we can carry a person, at least for a while, spiritually. Yeah. Amen. I mean, I can help you through the healing anointing on my... Any believer can lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. We got that promise in Mark chapter 16. Amen. The anointings on our lives can help and lift, but when it comes to the renewing of your mind, it's on you, baby. Right. Only you. Your husband cannot renew his wife's mind. And the wife cannot renew her husband's mind. We proved that out. My wife tried to renew my mind. <laughs> and she gave up many years ago trying to change me. Amen. Praise God. She just decided to battle on her knees in prayer or something, I guess. Praise God. But uh, this is just one of those areas. If you're going to have a sound mind, if you're going to have a renewed mind, you and God are going to have to get it. Amen. Praise God. Glory, glory, glory. Go over with me now to Philippians. Let's get into this a little bit. And let me, as you're finding Philippians chapter 4, give you a definition of anxiety. The dictionary defines anxiety as an apprehensiveness, an uneasiness or nervousness, usually over an impending or a coming or an anticipated negative situation, whether that's perceived or real. So if you feel apprehensive, that's anxiety. Amen. If, you're, if you walk around uneasy, that's anxiety. If you're nervous, that's anxiety. Amen. The dictionary also des uh, describes it or defines anxiety as a mentally distressing concern or interest. There's something that's causing me mental distress. On the medical level, they would say, doctors will say that anxiety is an abnormal and overwhelming sense of apprehension and fear 
often marked with physical signs, such as hypertension, sweating, increased heart rate, things like that. But, uh, by, and this is caused by doubt concerning the reality or the nature of a threat. It's caused by self-doubt or anxiety comes to this degree when someone doubts their own capacity to handle what they see coming or what they're in. Amen? Well, I tell you what, this is where we as Christians have a tremendous advantage because we have promises in God's Word like this. I can do. I can. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Amen. We have scriptures like He works within me both to will and to do of His good pleasure. We have scriptures, and they're not just scripture. It's reality if we'll believe it, right? Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. He always leads me in triumph. Amen. These scriptures are in there and many, many more. But they'll do you no good because those scriptures are in your Bible, but they're not in you. The whole process of renewing the mind is to put you in the verse and the verse in you. There are so many healing promises for our body, so few Christians actually receive it because they think it's whether they're healed or not, it's all up to God or not. But they have not put the verse in them. They have not put the healing verse in them. They are not in that healing verse. What did Jesus say in John 15, verse 7? He says, if you abide in me and my words, my words, and if my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you will and it will be done to you. Amen. Amen. But people are praying prayers and it's not being done unto them. Two things are the cause according to what Jesus said. Lack of fellowship. Talked about that last week. Lack of putting the word in you. It's not the word that's in the book that you get. It's the word in the book you put in you that you get. Hello. Hallelujah. Praise God. So it is our job to put the word in us. Amen. See, and uh, I, don't, I don't have anybody else really to use as an example but me. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you know, when I finally got serious about my Bible and wanting to know God, I devoured the Word. I, I just, I'm still, I love the Bible. I read my Bible every day. I love the Word of God. And there have been times in my life, though, especially probably in yours too, where I have just clung. I just clung to the Word like I was hanging from the end of the rope down at the bottom and it was untangling and I got a little thread left in my hand, but I am hanging on to it. Never, never have I held on to a thread of God's Word and God failed me. Never, never. He's brought me out of every, every mental attack, every emotional problem, every sort of grief, uh, every financial thing, every physical thing. God has brought me through. God has brought me out as I have held to His Word. And the quality of my life over years, years, you're not going to get this, you know, I think I'll go to the church and give that guy a week. You know, I tell you what, as a pastor, if you'll give me two or three years your life will be different. If you'll pay attention. Hey, you're going to give me a week. I, you know, God bless you. Amen. But I'm everything... 
I'm not sure I understand, Siri said. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everything good about the Christian life has to have this attached to it. Stay with it. Church is part of the Christian life. Stay with it. Amen. Having a sweet marriage, that's part of the Christian life. You've got to stay with it. Amen. You're going to have strong faith. That's, that's in the Word. That's for you. But you've got to stay with it. Amen. It's like Brother Hagin used to say, with God, there ain't no instant pudding. That's a good Texas way to say it, right? In God, there ain't no instant pudding. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But uh, over time, as I just spent, and I've, I've got more to go yet than I've come. You know what I mean? Got a lot of progress left to, left to make. But my mindset has changed. And there's a direct correlation between the change of thinking and the life that's lived. Amen? So important. So, so important. All right. Regard, uh, let me finish this. I didn't quite finish my definitions to give you. Anxiety is also defined as to be in painful suspense. To be in painful suspense. And really, it's just another word for fear. It's just another word for worry. Amen. So God has an answer for this. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. We're going to read down through verse 8. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. Always. Now, we, do we believe the word? We doers of the word. We're word. This is a word church. Well, have you ever had a down day? Have you ever spent hours feeling sorry for yourself? Have you ever spent any time anxious and worried and afraid? Then you didn't do what God told you to do. Me too. Amen. But you didn't know what that you don't. What did he say? Are we word people or are we not? Amen. When my daughter's ceiling fell through on the 4th of July, and I had just preached a really good sermon on rejoicing, but I didn't rejoice. My blood pressure went up. My face got red. My family wisely decided to scatter a little bit because right then I was not safe to be around. I was frustrated. Well, I felt all that. Amen. Because I didn't do what I knew to do. All right, don't pick on me now. I do know some of your business. Hallelujah. Okay, let's read it again. Rejoice in the Lord. Well, my husband told me he doesn't love me anymore. He left the house. What's it say? <laughs> My wife of 50 years graduated to heaven. And left me here all alone. Was it say? 
I got to let go of work today. Pastor asked me to clean the bathrooms this week. Uh, can we escape always? No, we, we ain't no escape. There's no escape. But God is not, he, he's, he, he knows what we don't. It sounds foolish, doesn't it? It, it just sounds foolish. That's, you know why it sounds that way? It's because our minds hadn't been renewed to think like Him fully yet. That's why I don't, it sounds foolish. Maybe I should tell the elbow story and face healing at Grandpa's. Maybe I should tell that. That's where you elbowed me. My, no, no, it wasn't. Okay, no, we'll fight about that later, but... I know exactly where it was. is in, is in my former bedroom. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Faith is a toddler, and uh, we're there in Oklahoma somewhere, <laughs> visiting family. And um, I am awakened to this sharp, pointy elbow in my ribs. And she didn't say it, but this is the way I took it: "Man of God, man of God, wake up! Daughter's got a fever." At that time, Faith was so young, she was living, uh, sleeping right there in the bed with us. And uh, I just kind of went, you know, oh, if I rebuke it in the, you know, and Father in the name. And uh, there's a healing scripture there somewhere in Jesus' name. And I went back to sleep. Well, that didn't do it. That didn't do it. So a few minutes later, I'd fallen back off to sleep. I'm getting elbowed again. Man of God, man of God, wake up, wake up. She's still got a fever. So I, I tried to get some consciousness about me, and I prayed a stronger prayer. I prayed a more purposeful prayer and went back to sleep. And you can you guess, a few minutes later, I am awakened again by that, man, she's got a sharp elbow. Bam, 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 wake up, wake up. Finally, I just decided if I'm going to get any sleep tonight, we're going to really have to deal with this. Mama Bear is not happy that and I'm not either that, you know, that faith has got a fever. So I got up out of bed. Now I have a white undershirt on, you know, the tank style, and boxer shorts. And I'm standing there two or three in the morning, in the dark, not feeling very spiritual. And I checked my spirit about what to do. That's always good. And you won't believe, Micah, what the Lord told me to do. He didn't tell me to curse it. He didn't tell me to prophesy to the fever. He didn't tell me to stand upon my Bible on 1 Peter 2, 24. You know what he told me? He said, dance. He said, dance. Dance? Have y'all heard this before? I'm going to say it again. What color am I? Not that all white people... I mean, that's, there are some white people that can dance. I am not one of them. I'm conservative. Not long ago at this point in my life, I'm Methodist. Dignified. I'll leave off the other part. I usually leave off the political part. I don't dance. But that's what I heard. Well, I want to go to bed. I argued with the Lord, Father, Father, 
What's this scripture say? Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, finally, I gave it a little number like that. Now, can you imagine? My daughter's there, semi-asleep, dealing with a fever. What do you think my wife's doing? <laughs> Laying there in bed with big brown eyes looking at me. So I gave it one of these, you know. And I just heard him kind of snicker at that on the inside. God knows whether you're wholehearted or not. So I gave, an, I gave another one, but that didn't do it either. And finally, I'm not going to do what I actually did. Sometimes I do when I tell the story. But finally, I mean, I just broke out. Actually, before that, this funny part too, I said, now, Father, Father, can I, I'm in my boxer shorts in an under, can I go out in the hall? She's watching me. Can I go out in the hall and do it? And he said, no, I want you to dance in front of your wife. So I just let her rip. I didn't pray a prayer. I didn't rebuke a devil. I didn't lay hands. I went back to bed. You know what happened? A few minutes later, I'm getting elbowed again. Man of God, man of God. Fever broke. She's healed. True story, you go to hell for lying. I danced in the middle of the night when I didn't feel like dancing, and it made a fever leave. Made a fever leave. There's something to rejoice in the Lord always. People are dealing with depression. They're dealing with anxiety to, to extremes. Some people have what's called panic attacks. Listen, if you'll give me a little more time, I'm telling you, I talked this over with the bearers. I've practiced this. I've seen this. If, if the thing I'm about, if I have enough time here today to teach you today, amen, what I have been teaching you is the answer for all of our soldiers that are coming back with PTSD. Yeah. Anyone dealing with PTSD, that's a real thing, PTSD, post-traumatic stress syndrome, whether it's from the battlefield or a traumatic event, this is... You do not have to have panic attacks ever again. I'm going to minister to anyone at the end of the service that's dealing with panic attacks. We will deal with that in Jesus' name. So, trying to get off this scripture, Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now notice this, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, in what? Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, amen, that passes all understanding, shall keep, that word means mount up a guard, a garrison about your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, you might mark these characteristics, it's got to be true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, 
If there be any virtue or power, anything praiseworthy, if there be anything praise, think on these things. I'm not going to let that preacher tell me what to think. Don't. But will you let the Bible? I said, will you let the Bible? Will you let God? Now, most people can quote the middle verse. That's the one they like. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It will if that's the meat of the sandwich. But you got bread on top, you got bread on the bottom. You got an instruction on top and instruction on the bottom. And you're not going to get the peace of God that overwhelms depression and anxiety and will guard your heart and your feelings and your emotions from everything wrong and negative. You won't have that peace mount up that guard and garrison about you if you don't follow the instructions. I won't either. I won't either. Amen. So what did he say? He said, be careful for nothing. Now, we don't talk like that. We use care and careful differently today. So let's read it from the Amplified, Amplified Translation of verse 6. It says, Do not fret. Do not fret. Or have any anxiety about anything. You have no food. None. And no way to go get any. Surely it's all right to be anxious then. The doctor says you got two weeks to live. Surely it's all right to be anxious then. To fret then. Listen, if you're going to see if you haven't seen already. To be anxious becomes a choice. We didn't realize that. We didn't realize we had the power to do anything about what we felt. Amen. But we do and we can. Now, I believe, how many believe God's good? I believe He's good. Is He gentle? Is He kind? Is He merciful? Is He just? All right, is this good and merciful and kind, compassionate, just, fair, wonderful, loving God? You think He would ask you, tell you to do something? You don't have the ability to do. I don't. That would be unjust, wouldn't it? Yep. For him to tell me directly, don't fret. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about anything. Mm -hmm. Then I cannot say I can't help it. You can't say I'm being overtaken. I'm being overcome. No, you're yielding. You're not bad, but we've all done it, right? We yielded. We yield to fear. We yield to worry. Okay, so somebody died. If they're with Jesus. And you're not going to be selfish. Won't you be happy? Won't you be glad that they're in heaven walking streets of gold? And they won't have any more pain? They won't have any more sorrow? Hello? Yeah. 
So what did he say? He said, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. Instead, he tells you what to do. He said, don't have any anxiety about anything. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. And not with, a, not with an atmosphere of griping and whining and fear and all that, but with thanksgiving. We make our uh, wants known unto God. And then it says, and you could really say it this way, and then the peace of God. So before the peace of God is going to kick in for you, you have to resist being anxious. And there's a fight to this sometimes. Touch on verse 8 real quick. Whatever's true. Think about, if you have something to write with you, I'll circle. It's got to be true and not just true. It's got to be honorable. And it can't just be true and honorable. It's got to be just. And then it can't just be all those things. It's got to also be pure. And then it's also got to be love, lovable, right? It's got to be winsome and gracious. It's got to have virtue and excellence. It's got to be moral. Amen. And it's got to be worthy of praise. And if it doesn't fit all of those criteria, we are told and instructed not to think that. We need to teach our soldiers all those images and all the memories and all the thoughts that are not pleasant. Amen. Don't think them. Don't think that. If it troubles you, if it brings pain, you don't have to, if it brings you pain, don't think it. I'm not talking about denial. I'm talking about acting on the Word of God. We don't have to think on things that trouble us, bring us pain. Well, I gotta, I gotta just wallow in grief to honor my spouse that went home. That you're not gonna honor them. That, that doesn't honor them. No matter what kind of Christian they were before they left, if they made heaven, they look down on you, they don't want you crying for them. They don't want you sad for them. Now, you would have been greatly helped to have been coming to our Connect class. I, I understand we're going to feel things that are not pleasant. But we are not those feelings and we're not slaves to them. I'm looking at the time. Let me tell you about John. Uh, I'll just use his first name's John. He's been in heaven a number of years now. Precious. He landed uh, in Normandy, France, D-Day 21. So, you know, D-Day, is that's, that's day one. They would soldiers account, you go into European theater, you're fighting the Germans. D-Day, invasion of Normandy, that's day number one. He landed in France uh, on day 21. So it's hot. I mean, it's a hot time. And uh, he told me some, but not nearly all of his adventures and happenings and sights and sounds of World War II. Came home and either was married or got married. And just a precious man. When I uh, became pastor, he was quite older then. Um, I've been pastoring a number of years. He got way up into his 70s. But he was never the same. He was never the same when, after he came home. Many of the soldiers weren't. They were just overcome with the images and the memories and the thoughts and the feelings. 
of their experience. And unfortunately, uh, John, uh, I couldn't get this revelation over to him. And eventually his body began to break down. And he began to have all kinds of symptoms. Now his post-war anxiety was so bad, we're talking about decades removed from the event. He's just a teenager, early 20s when he went to war. He's in his mid to upper 70s now. And his wife would tell me, Pastor, I'll wake up in the middle of the night. And John is on military, he's out of bed. And he is marching throughout, he is on patrol, he is marching. He is back in France. Physically, in his sleep, unconsciously reliving night. After night, after night. Well, his body began to break down. He began to have all kinds of very weird symptoms, dizziness, heart problems, um, uh, fainting spells, falling spells, all kinds of things. Well, the doctors began to do tests on him. And they ran test after test after test after test after test, only to come to the conclusion, John, brother, there's nothing wrong with you physically. There's not a single thing wrong that we can find physically. Not with your blood, not with your cells, not with your organs, not with your brain. You don't have any tumors. You don't have cancer. But he just kept getting worse and worse. And I would, I would speak of this truth a little bit. And I would, deal, I would talk to him about the disciplining your mind, casting down thoughts. Amen. And not criticizing this precious man at all. I wasn't there. I didn't walk in his shoes. Amen. But nothing the doctors did could help him. And he died. And, uh, well, Pastor, what did he die of? The spirit of fear killed him. I said the spirit of fear killed him. Now he's in heaven. Praise God. And he's rid of all that. Amen. But we need to, we all need to learn that there are things we should not think about. We should not let our minds go places. And if you let your mind go wild, you're going to have a wild mind. And you're going to have all kinds of things that are, it's just really sad. I know Brother Tony, could I mention you, sir? Um, uh, of one, another one of our heroes, vets from more, more modern warfare, dealt with similar issues and brought his marriage to the brink of, you know, being, being broke up. But, but God moved in his life. How, do you sleep today? And you doing okay? And, and some of these things, other ministers, not just me, but other ministers and other revelations, and, and us too, been able to teach him. To guard your mind. And to defend your mind. And it's amazing when you do it and you fight that fight, you don't have the anxiety and all the other things that goes with it. Amen. There will be a fight to it though. Let's close in one other scripture here. Let's go to uh, Philippians chapter, not Philippians, 1 Peter chapter 5. Now whether... 
you stormed the beaches of Normandy and saw horrific things, or you had a miscarriage, or, or whatever. And, and if, you did, if you just lived this perfectly blessed life in a heavenly bubble, the devil will show up if he has to make it up. He will attack our minds and our emotions with anxiety. He will make up empty threats about the future <laughs> and see if he can torment you with that. He'll torment you with getting older. You know, my wife, you know, has regrets about her 30s because the devil tormented her in her 30s about the 40s. And she got to the 40s. Actually, she hadn't hit the 40s, right? You're like 29 or 28 or something. I'm sorry. And realized that that decade is no big deal. And then looked back and felt robbed and stolen from because of days she can't get back. Amen. So we all, we all have this to uh, live out and walk out in our life. Just give me another minute or two. I'm almost done. 1 Peter chapter 5. Praise God. Look at verse um, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting 20%. Maybe he'll allow half. It's a half-off sale. He'll take half of your cares. No. Casting what? All, All your care. Where? Upon him. Why? For he cares for you. This is also so good in the Amplified. Verse 7 in the Amplified says, Casting the whole of your care. Listen to this. All your anxieties. All your worries. All your concerns. Once and for all on Him. For He cares for you affectionately. And He cares about you watchfully. Now I'm not saying it's easy. But we have to be doers of the word in every area. We need, if you want to live a life, and you can, free from worry, free from depression, free from anxiety, free from it. And no medication, no pharmaceuticals. Amen. And you're not eating reefer-laced brownies on the side to mellow out. You know, my dad, before he got born again, God bless him, he'd come in from the office no matter what kind of day he had, and he filled the bottom of his uh, crystal glass with scotch. And why did he do it? To take the edge off. Listen, any Christian doing that kind of thing, taking it, you're, you're, God bless you, but that's inferior help. God will take the edge off. Amen. Praise God. Listen to some other, just some other phrases. New Living says, don't worry about anything. Uh, New Testament expanded translation says, stop worrying about even one thing. That's a reference back to what he said in Philippians. Moffat says, never be anxious. Never. Praise God. 
Peter's telling us, take all your cares, all your worries, all your anxieties, and cast them on Him. The word cast in the Greek means to throw. It means to hurl. Sometimes you just need to hurl. Not your lunch, your worries, your cares. Mamas, do not worry about your kids. It hurts. It doesn't help. It hurts. Hurl that throw, cast that care on God. The word casting... Uh, here in the Greek is the same word in the Gospels where the disciples threw their garments on the donkey so that Jesus could get on it and ride it. It means to take something off of yourself and to throw it on something or someone else. Get that care off of you. Get that worry off of you. Get that fear off of you. Get that anxiety off of you. Take it off and throw it on God. Give it to someone who's actually big enough So much of what you worry about, you ain't big enough, you ain't strong enough, you ain't smart enough to fix it anyway. If you could have fixed it, you'd have fixed it already. You need to hurl that worry, that care, that, that thing over onto God. Whether it's men, whether it's finances and your job and how you're going to take care of your family. Amen. Your future, your marriage, your health, your kids, your grandkids, your money, your spiritual life, your future. Anything and everything. Your past, your present, your future. Just cast it over on Him. Throw it on Him. Because the thing is, the worries you hold on to, God can't work on. He cannot, if you got that worry, honey, good luck. Because He cannot, He cannot do anything about it while it's in your hand. He can turn that teenager around. But you have to stop worrying about that teenager. You can't send your teenager off in a car by themselves, you know, because they're mature enough and, you know, and all that. And now they're without you. And then wring your hands all day long and God be able to protect them. You got to stop worrying. You got to stop caring. You got to stop fearing. Stop fearing dying. Right? People say, I'm afraid of flying. You're not afraid of flying. You're afraid of crashing. You're not afraid of the machine. You're afraid of dying, yeah. not flying. <laughs> you don't believe the word. If you're a Christian, you're afraid to die. Right. The Bible says to die is to gain yeah. for the Christian. To die is to gain. Listen, these are powerful scriptures. Just two passages, and there are many more. And we have access to the peace of God that's stronger than any pain attack, any anxiety, any fear, any worry. But we only experience the supernatural force of God's divine peace when we do our part. And that is to just stand there feeling the wrong thing and say, I refuse to fear. I refuse anxiety. The Bible goes on in Peter and says, resist the devil. Anxieties of the devil. Resist the devil. Resist that. I will not think that. I will not dwell on that. No. Amen. 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 And then the peace of God comes up out of you. Yes. Amen. Let's all stand up on our feet today. Honey, if you'd come to the keyboard. Vosters, if you could help me very quickly. 
If you're here, and I mean...